This is the Bigger Pugs Podcast Show 790. Um, so we drafted that offer. We offered zero percent interest um, on a on a on a seven year term. So basically like a car loan, right? And uh, they went for it. So we're at sixty five hundred dollars a month with the balloon of the balance due and in uh in seven years so they'll end up buying about forty thousand dollars at the end of that term but um it's a phenomenal phenomenal deal and that thing is pulling in gross income of about eight thousand dollars a month so they're gonna let the tenants pay it off and uh from there they'll have a free and clear asset in a great market um that's gonna be uh, a good value play for them to help uh, fund their retirement what's going on everyone it's david green your host of the bigger pockets real estate podcast here today with my co-host rob abasolo Looking stunning and fabulous as ever, Rob. Have you been working out? You look incredible. Oh, stop. You know I have. You know I have. And I thank you for noticing. I appreciate that. My pleasure. And speaking of noticing, we noticed three real estate agents in the country that are crushing it for their clients. We brought them back on the show today to talk about what they're doing to find deals in today's market where it can be very tough, but apparently is still possible. What do you think people should listen for in today's episode to help them with their own journey? I think they should be listening for the creative solutions that exist in every single deal. And what I really, really, really love was the final one that we ended on. I knew you could tell my wheels are turning there. I was like, all right, what can I, which one of my properties can I convert into this amazing real estate model? And uh, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people will get value out of just going out sometimes, taking a, you know, t- taking, trusting your knowledge taking a bet, and maybe pursuing a model within real estate that they aren't super familiar with. Yeah, I agree. A lot of the times when people share a deal, they just give you this overhead view. Oh yeah, we bought it. We paid this price. This is the plan. You don't get a story that you feel like you could go replicate. Today's guests actually give specifics on exactly how they negotiated it, how they found it, and what the plan was for the property. So you leave knowing, oh, I could go do that. So you guys are going to really like today's show and make sure you listen all the way to the very end, because we talk about why some people are passing up on deals. We talked about a six-figure flip that Kim's entire database skipped on. And then this investor bought it and made over $100,000 on one property and what they missed so you don't make the same mistake. Before we get to today's show, today's quick tip, BiggerPockets has a feature called the Agent Finder that you can use to find an investor-friendly agent like myself in your area because I can't be cloned and there's only one of me. But there are many agents out there that can help you with your deal. Check out biggerpockets.com slash agent finder to find an agent in the market that you want to invest in. Also, two of today's guests, Kim and Victor, joined us for an insider tips on their markets in episode 766. So go check out that episode if you like what you hear today. Rob, you ready to do this? Let's jump into it. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rent to retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, rental retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentoretirement.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means? Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments. Effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress-free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to RelayFi.com slash bigger pockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. All right, welcome all back to the Bigger Pockets podcast. The last episode went so well that we decided to do another episode where we are analyzing deals in specific markets that the Bigger Pockets audience has been looking to buy. So in today's show, we're going to be diving into different opportunities in different markets. Uh, Matt, I believe this is your first time joining us. So welcome. Nice to see you here. Uh, let's start with you. My understanding is you've got 12 rentals yourself. You're a property management company and brokerage, and you've been investing in Atlanta since 2010. Uh, first question for you, when you introduce yourself, do you find yourself saying, welcome to Atlanta, like ludicrous to every single person that you meet? <laughs> no, no, I don't. But I do appreciate the uh, being here, David, and happy to be on the show. Yeah, there's certain cities that have a song associated with them in my head, like Rob's from LA, right? So every time I think of Rob in LA, I think of Kendrick Lamar, the recipe. It just starts playing in my head. And uh, Atlanta definitely has Welcome to Atlanta. So now everybody else who's my age is going to start hearing that in their head. You're welcome for the earworm that you're going to need to have surgically <laughs> removed going forward. And we have Kim Meredith Hampton from Tampa Bay, Florida, another exploding area. Kim Meredith Hampton is in a co-working space. She's got two commercial properties, 10 units and 50 units of short-term rentals. She's in property management, both long-term rentals and short-terms. Kim, welcome to the show. Did I miss anything? Nope, that's it. All right. And then we have Victor Steffen, who is an investor, has been in Dallas-Fort Worth for seven years, has 48 doors across three states, Pennsylvania, New York, and Texas. He does rent by the room, long-term rentals, and others. Victor, welcome to the show. Did I miss anything there? You got it. Thanks for uh, having us again. Yeah, I don't know that there's a Dallas-Fort Worth song that comes to mind. We're going to have to work on that. Like, is there a theme song for that area that I don't know about? Yeah, just like George, George Strait. Put that in a big old bucket and that, that'll that cover it. I literally was thinking George Strait, but I couldn't think of a song he sings. Is he from there or is it just that's what people listen oh, to? Oh, he, he's from Texas. He's a Texan. He's a good old Texan boy. It's crazy that you like read my mind. I was thinking George Strait, but I couldn't think of a specific uh, song. There's a song like, called uh, Dallas Days. Amarillo by Morden. Uh, Dallas Days and Fort Worth Nights by our good friend Chris Led. Ladeau? Chris Ledoux. Chris Ledoux. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. Rob just had to Google that. He knows no music outside of John Mayer at all. He has to pretend. Well, you know, I was going to say, when you when you said that you think of that song for me with LA, I was hoping you would say California Girls by Katy Perry, because, you know, that's our song, but that's okay. That makes me think yeah. of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, if this, if this podcast ever doesn't work out, that's what Rob and I's next podcast is going to be named. California Girls with Rob and Dave. <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, welcome everybody to the show. We're going to talk some real estate, but before we get into these deals, let's get to know a little about the Atlanta market. Matt, we're going to start with you. What are your what are the long term benefits to your market? Yeah, Atlanta is a great market overall. Uh, very diverse uh, economy. A lot of different employers here. A lot of employers coming to Atlanta. Um, as you know, the general population or a lot of people are moving to the southeast in general. Um, Atlanta is just a big hub for that. So we're seeing a ton of population increase, uh, a lot so in suburbs as well. So not just the city of Atlanta, but you're basically seeing uh, outward growth in every direction. So all the suburbs are growing, even the ones that are a little bit further out where they've been uh, typically a little bit more rural and raw land, you're seeing a lot of new development there. It's a lot of new construction uh, about an hour outside of Atlanta, just because everyone is growing outward uh, for affordability reasons. Matt, what is the big economic 
engine for your area specifically? Like, I know that Atlanta is a big hub for many things, one of them being sort of the movie scene, but are there a lot of reasons why that economy is booming at the moment? Yeah, so the movie scene definitely has been uh, huge. A lot of uh, new films here, thanks to the Georgia tax credits, uh, films, TV shows, uh, everything's getting filmed here just because it's very uh, business friendly for them to do that, but it's also business friendly in general. So uh, a lot of businesses that are already established, that are you know, Fortune 500 companies, they're uh, moving their headquarters here or expanding here um, and basically coming here because Georgia is a business-friendly state. Um, and it's not one specific economy or one specific industry. Um, so it's not segmented to one thing. We're seeing you know tech expansion, movie expansion, and everything in between. That's right. Uh, and I will say, even though no one asked me, I could co-sign all three of these markets. I am bullish on all of them. I think that they're good places for investors to buy. We have a lot of the one brokerage clients that are getting pre-approved and looking for investment properties in kind of Georgia, not necessarily Atlanta, but the surrounding market around there. Uh, I think that is a good long-term market. And I have bought myself in some of the vacation area rental properties where people in Atlanta would go if they wanted to stay at a cabin. So kind of like the, the mountains up that way. Uh, so I like that market myself. And Rob, you brought up a great point. Hollywood is literally moving into Atlanta. If anyone visits there, just talk to your Uber drivers. They will tell you who's coming into town, what's going on, and they're constantly shuttling around uh, movie stars. Matt, did you grow up in that area? Uh, so I've been here for about 16 years, but I'm originally from California. So i uh, happy to call Georgia home and uh, love living here. You're originally from California? Yep. When did you pick up that accent? <laughs> it does grow on you pretty quick. It sure does. I think I started saying y'all about after a year so. Uh, it was it was pretty quick. It's embarrassing to admit it, but I could be on the phone with a contractor from like Jacksonville or Southern Florida, and after two weeks of talking to them, a drawl will start to crawl into my mouth. It's like contagious. It is contagious. Okay, it's not just me. You're making me feel a little bit better. It is a whole lot easier to say y'all. Hey, listen, Matt. It's it's nice to have a fellow California girl on the pod. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have any data on the current shifts in your market? Yep. So right now we're at 2.1 months of inventory, which is still a seller's market. Uh, just for a reminder for newer folks, six months is typically a balanced market. So we're still on a seller's market currently. Um, we are seeing an increase in inventory, but it's not dramatic. We're seeing about 25% more inventory than we saw last year. Um, but the weird phenomenon that we're seeing here in this market, we're also seeing a few other markets, is the number of new listings uh, year over year is actually down. Um, so while we have more inventory overall, um, not the number of new listings that are coming to market is actually less than it was last year. So basically what's happening is, uh, listings that come to market and they're priced correctly. Those are moving very quickly, but listings that are coming to market and they're priced too high, or maybe they need too many repairs. Those are sitting a little bit longer and those can be an excellent opportunity, uh, to submit an offer. I like it, Rob, we need to go buy in Atlanta. This is like prime hunting ground for me. So if I hear you right, Matt, what you're saying is that. Less listings are coming on the market, but there has been a 25% increase in listings overall because the stuff that comes on that's priced appropriately and in good condition sells quickly and there's not a lot of it, but you got a lot of stale product. You got a lot of donuts that have been sitting around for a couple of weeks and no one's buying them. Exactly. And then they're tarnished and then nobody wants them because everyone's used to listings moving very quick. Right now, our average days in market is 12. Uh, so if someone sees something on the market for 30, 40 days, they're like, oh, well, there's something wrong with that. Um, so the average retail buyer is passing up on that, but it can be a great opportunity for an investor. I love that stuff. I mean, that's a, that's what creates opportunity, right? Like as a real estate agent, you're like, okay, you got a bifurcation here. You have the hot stuff that hits the market that everyone sees on Zillow and you got eight buyers for every property, but the opportunity is in the stuff that's been sitting there for a long time. I always look for high days on market. And most of my books, I write about this as the strategy that you need to be looking at in tough markets. Rob snagged our deal by doing just that. We found a property that had been sitting on the market for a really long time, but it was gorgeous. However, it had an issue where it was very tough to buy because there, it was five acres of land and lenders didn't want to lend on it. So it just kind of got passed up and then no one's looking at it. And the owners of the home are like, how come no one wants my house? Like no one wants to take me to prom. And uh, you can kind of show up with a math geek offer to take out that homecoming queen listing that normally would be waiting for a high school quarterback offer that we don't want to make. I don't know how well that analogy works, but I like what you're saying, Matt, and I like your realtor approach here because if you're a buyer looking to buy in that area, that's the playground you want to be playing in is these listings that have gone stale that you can write aggressive offers on, right? Exactly. Uh, what's your advice for people who are chasing these 
properties that have been on the market for 40, 50, 60, maybe 90 days. Is there an approach that you recommend buyers take when writing offers on these? That's an excellent question. So what I'd tell everyone is you really need to get familiar with the market, right? So I could present a deal to, to you and tell you it's great, but you really don't know if it's a great deal unless you know the market, right? So if you are considering Atlanta or any market, I would spend, you know, some time, you know, and I'd write a couple of deals, look at a few deals and get really familiar with the market as a whole. And then that way, when you do approach one of these listings that has been sitting for a while and you know it's overpriced, or maybe it was overpriced originally and they've cut the price, you know, because it's been on the market for a while, but they may still be too high, you know, hey, I should go on at this number, or you have a general idea of what it should trade for and where you need to be with that uh, offer. So tell us about the strategies that people are finding most successful in this market, because it sounds like there are a lot of properties out there that are in need of work. Is it a a market where you're going out and doing full-on rehabs, or is it a market that you're going in and sort of cleaning up the listing a little bit and sort of uh, doing like more of a quick cosmetic flip, like a, like a wholetail, if you will? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So, you know, right now, um, we're not seeing a lot of just simple uh, turnkey, like buy and hold working. A lot of it is basically break even or negative cash flow, unfortunately, because rates are higher and prices are still elevated. So the strategy that we are seeing working currently in our market is value add. Um, so it could be, you know, just like you mentioned, Rob, something where they you know, go in there and do just co- cosmetic updates. Uh, it could be adding a bathroom. It could be adding a unit. It could be, uh, you know, a whole burst strategy. If it's severely distressed, it really just depends on what the property needs. But uh, typically the deals that are working right now are value add deals. Can you define what you mean by value add deal? Yeah. So like I said, it, it, it could be like a three bedroom, one bath property. And uh, you know, the market is used to three bedroom, two baths in that area, right? So, you know, a lot of people uh, we're working with, they'll buy that property at a second bathroom and that brings it back up to market. So you've added value by adding another uh, bathroom. Another deal that we can talk about here in a minute that we did is somebody actually added additional units to a property, right? So uh, people, they're able to add additional space, whether it's square footage, bedrooms, um, it's going to add value to the property. Um, so anything like that, which will add value, or it could just be a very you know, distressed deal where the average retail buyer says, hey, this property needs way too much work. I, I, you know, I'm coming on a 3% down. I don't have the money to invest in this property to fix it up. I'm not even going to consider it. Whereas an investor who has some capital behind them could purchase that property, fix it up, bring it back to retail standards, and then flip it or hold on to it, put a tenant in there, and then recognize the value. So as you as an agent looking to represent buyers, do you have us, are you filtering these and then bringing it to your buyers and saying, hey, here's a value add thing? Or are you telling them what to look for? They go look for it and then they bring the deal to you to negotiate. Yeah. So it's a little bit of both. So, you know, we always try to help buyers uh, clearly define their buy box. Um, so, you know, every buyer is going to be a little bit different on what they're looking for. We can kind of educate buyers and tell them what's working, what we're seeing in the market and help them define their buy box. And once that's defined, we can bring listings to them and say, hey, this fits your buy box. Uh, what questions do you have for us, or you know, is this something that's of interest to you? That's a really great overview of the of the Atlanta mar- market. Thank you so much, Matt. Kim, I know you've told us about your market previously in the in the Tampa world. Can you just give us a couple bullet points about what's happening in Tampa right now, and uh, just sort of an overview of the market? Ours is very similar to Matt's, but almost identical. Um, anything really under three fifty four hundred is selling like hotcakes. It's not not sitting there at all. And those are where your numbers make sense for rentals. Also, um, anything over that like 800 uh, sitting now, and then also the small multi that need a ton of work and they have overpriced the property. And those those are definitely sitting. And you can make an offer. We do that often, which is a lot lower, but people, some people still haven't come into reality yet that we aren't at our 20%. And then also our current days on market are about 14 so we still are are sitting pretty low on that. Inventory is low. I, it is slowly creeping up. Um, we also, uh, our average, our median price points have also went up 5,000 since we last spoke. So we're now at 410. So it's really crazy. It just doesn't seem like it's going back the other way. But we shall see. All right. Thanks for taking us through that. Victor, what about you, man? Can you tell us, tell us really the, what's the big selling point for the Dallas Fort per- Fort Worth area right now. Population growth, median wage growth, job growth. That's it. Boom. Easy. I love it. All right. Well, do you have a deal to walk us through in that market? Because, uh, you know, as we understand it, everyone's going to be walking us through a deal in their respective market. Could you kick us off? Yeah, you got it. So it's one that I really just had fun doing. 
Um, Irving, Texas is just to the northwest side of Dallas. Um, and it's one of our favorite markets for a variety of um, asset uh, types and also management strategies. Um, specifically, we like looking for multifamily here and we like to find stuff that you can do a short or midterm rental strategy on. Um, Irving is very short-term rental friendly. You don't have a ton of regulation and hoops that you have to jump through. Um, you've got major medical in close proximity. You've got the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport right there. You've also got downtown Dallas all within close proximity basically surrounding Irving, Texas. Um, so what we found for our client over here was basically a turnkey quadplex that was already ran as a midterm rental opportunity. Um, it was on the MLS, so it wasn't like we had to do a lot of off-market banging on doors in order to find it. Um, and the seller in the listing description had that they were looking to retire and spend more time with their grandkids. And when I see that like immediate buzzword is seller finance, is that going to be an opportunity? Um, so- we typically do one, two seller finance deals per year. This one kind of fit that buy box. We had a perfect buyer for it who had the cash. We submit an offer and whenever we go ahead and ask our clients, like, all right, if they're having a trouble like, figuring out what kind of offer to go ahead and send forward, we say, well, what's going to make you excited? What's going to make you say, this is something that I can really uh, like, you know, get behind and, and be excited about closing on. Um, so we drafted that offer. We offered 0% interest um, on, a, on, a, on a seven-year term. So basically like a car loan, right? And uh, they went for it. So we're at $6,500 a month with the balloon of the balance due in, in, uh, in seven years. So they'll end up owing about $40,000 at the end of that term. But um, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal deal. And that thing is pulling in gross income of about $8,000 a month. So they're going to let the tenants pay it off. And uh, from there, they'll have a free and clear asset in a great market. Um, that's going to be uh, a good value play for them to help uh, fund their retirement. Awesome. So tell us really quickly, what was the actual listing price and purchase price of this property? They asked 750 We gave them 750 because they gave us our terms. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Great, great, great. So um, yeah, I guess if they're giving you your terms, then yeah, the, the listing price really isn't quite scary. And so the investor strategy walking into this was... You already sort of knew that it was a uh, it was functioning as a midterm rental, or was that just your plan to convert it into a midterm rental? It was already fully functioning mid and short term rental property, fully furnished, all furnishings conveyed, so a real uh, a real rock star deal. Also, like uh, a piece of this that's important is I know that that client's goal because whenever we do our introductory calls with our clients, um, it's going to be what's the perfect deal for you, what's the long term strategy. And for them, their long-term strategy was, hey, I want to find a mid and short-term rental portfolio, get up to 25 doors. Um, that's going to allow me to quit my W-2, high-paying W-2 anesthesiologist. Um, and this one fit that mold perfectly. They're going to have almost zero cash flow on it for the next seven years. But at the end of that seven-year term, it's owned free and clear and uh, cash flowing aggressively. Yeah. So is it actually, is it amortized over the seven years? Yep, exactly right. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so what is that monthly payment looking like? Because you also mentioned that it is bringing in $8,000 in gross rents. Did you say what the, the actual monthly note was? 6500 6500 Okay. All right. So you actually pulled some cash flow from that. That's amazing. Nah, well, a little bit. <laughs> it, 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 covers, it covers its debt. Okay. Know? Okay. Um, if you wanted to go ahead and re-amortize that thing and stretch it out over 30 years, of course, you could cash flow at that point in time. But uh, they're not interested in cash flow right now. They're interested in owning this free and clear and having a, uh, a property that really just generates consistent monthly income in seven years from now, not today. Sure, sure. And I'm sure the tax benefits really uh, make, make this one quite the home run. Exactly. Especially for that seller and what she's looking to do. She has a couple grandbabies. Go, go do your thing and, um, and don't clean these things anymore like you were doing, you know? So it'll be a great deal for her. She gets a consistent 6500 a month, doesn't have to clean a bunch of short-term rental units. Amazing. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's a that's a very strong one to start with. So, Matt, I hope you've got one that can top that. If not, you'll be booted off the pot. No, I'm just kidding. All right, man. So, Matt, take us through your deal next. Um, name of the deal. Uh, tell us the market that it's in. I think we can probably take guess that it's probably in Atlanta. And then tell us the listing price and the purchase price. Yeah. Yeah. So the name of this deal is Crossbrook. Uh, the listing price was seven hundred fifty thousand on it. Uh, we were able to negotiate a deal at 735. Uh, this is another finance deal as well, which is rare for us. You know, typically we do one or two uh, seller finance deals a year, similar to Victor. Um, but you know, when we could do them, they're they're fantastic. But definitely not not typical for our market. It just depends on the deal. 
uh, we were able to do that on this deal because this is a very unique deal where it was a single family house and a duplex on two separate lots, but they were neighboring each other. Um, and same seller, uh, the uh, seller's husband before he passed away actually had built both properties. So uh, she had been occupying the single family house and she kept the duplex as a rental property. Um, they were severely under rented though, as far as uh, the tenants that were in the duplex. So we were able to get in there. Um, he was at the uh, investor I worked with was able to purchase property for seven thirty five, um, which is the total for all three units. Uh, he was then able to get the rents up in the two units of the duplex up to market rent. Uh, he also took the single family house and made that a two unit by converting the basement to a uh, in law suite, which he rents out separately. And then the duplex actually had a uh, garage, uh, so that it was a raised duplex, and he was able to convert that to a third unit. So now he has five units out of this property that originally had three. Um, so it was a huge value I played for him. He got very favorable terms. Uh, the single family house, since they are two separate parcels, he was able to use a DSCR loan to acquire that one. And then the duplex, we uh, were able to negotiate seller financing on. The reason that he couldn't get the DSCR loan um, with it, or I guess he could, but it wouldn't have been favorable for him, is because they were so severely under-rented that the debt service coverage ratio wouldn't have made sense. So it made more sense to attempt to negotiate a deal with the seller and do seller finance um, so that he get that loan closed and she could move on and uh, we could get the deal started and going. Okay. Okay. Great, great, great. And so how did you say you found both of these deals? So th- this was an on-market deal. Um, so it had been sitting on market for a while at, at uh, 775. They cut the price to 750. It still continued to sit there. Uh, which at that point we offered 735. Awesome. And so when you came in, tell us a little bit about the value that you demonstrated to your to your client, aka how did you help shine up this deal when you walked into it for your client? Yep. So I helped uh, negotiate the seller finance terms. The client that I was working with is a very experienced investor, um, but he had never done a seller finance deal. Um, so I helped kind of structure that. I said, hey, let's make the the seller two seller finance offers. That way she doesn't have, she still has the option to say no, but if we give her two options, her likelihood to say no is less because she's going to choose one of those two options. Um, so we gave her two options for the seller finance. She chose one that was actually, in my opinion, very favorable for my client, the buyer. Um, and so she ended up accepting that. We were able to move forward and uh, get the deal closed. Awesome. Wow. Well, that's a, that sounds like a really, really good one. David, do you have any, any other questions about this deal before we move on to the next one? Only question is I'm curious how you worked up the seller financing angle when it was a property that came from the MLS. A lot of the time, sellers listing their home on the MLS are not familiar with this and agents are very uncomfortable with it. How did you work that in? And then how did it work? Did you also get a loan on the property and was seller financing second position or did you just take over the note? So excellent question. So we actually started our 735 offer with a DSCR loan on both parcels because it was two parcels right next to each other. So we started with DSCR loan. Once the lender got a hold of it and they looked at the rents, which again were severely under market, they said, "Hey, you know, in order to get this deal closed, you're going to have to bring a lot more cash to the table." And then at that point, the investor and I circled up and we said, "Hey, let, let's see if we can offer seller financing, and that way we can keep this deal alive. You can, you know, still have cash in the deal, but not as much cash." And uh, we basically told the seller, "Hey, if, if you want to close on both properties because she didn't want to sell one without the other." Uh, let's do seller financing and get the deal closed. So does that mean you took over the note of the seller when you say that? No. So she actually had paid off both properties. So they were both free and clear. Um, so the, the deal that we worked out was a first position mortgage, uh, five-year interest only. And so he's not paying any principal. He's just paying interest only for five years. And then there's a five-year balloon at the end of that term. Quick tip there. When a property is completely paid off, there are options to do this that do not exist when there's financing on the property. I should have asked that first. I think I was assuming that there was a note. So did you sniff that out or did your client propose that idea? No. So so I actually knew there was no debt because I tried to do some, a little bit of title research when we get in these situations to see what options are. Um, so I saw, you know, she had no debt. Like I said, her husband actually built both these properties. So uh, he'd actually built the whole neighborhood uh, where this property was at. So I think, you know, he was doing pretty well. He built both properties. Unfortunately, he had passed away and left the, the properties to his wife and she was ready to go spend some time with the grandkids. So we were able to negotiate this on our financing deal. Nice. Yeah. Let's like bringing that up because, because people hear seller financing and they go, Oh, I'll just do that every time. I'll just do seller financing. I don't want to get a loan for seven and a half percent. I'll just take over their loan. But the stars kind of have to align to have everything be perfect. But if you're aware of it, when the stars align, you don't just walk right under the stars without thinking about asking. It's definitely better when you have 
that option. So good job there. Yeah, and that, that's why we only do one or two seller finance deals a year because the stars really do have to align. Exactly. That's a great point. Uh, Kim, tell us about your deal. Mine's a twofer. I'm going to call it a twofer. Um, we, <laughs> we actually sold this duplex and it's in St. Pete, small multi, um, basically a two and a three bedroom on each side. We had sold it a couple of years ago and um, the seller, I guess, put it up for sale themselves. Nothing happened. Um, they reached out to us. And so we actually um, managed it as well. So we were their first point of contact, which is great. Um, so it's more kind of off market. So we got one of the tenants out. We got it fixed up and we put it on the market for 360 and we had an offer same day. And um, they actually came back after inspection and said, this is just too much work for me on the other side. I don't want to do this, that. So we canceled, they canceled that contract. Um, we had one of our, I call him our serial flipper. And uh, we've done several deals with him. He came in and offered 300, no contingencies whatsoever. I'll close in two weeks. Let's get it done. So that's what the seller accepted. Um, I guess their daughter was going to college and they needed all the cash, Ivy League or whatever it was. So um, we sold it to him. And during that time, um, he got the other uh, resident out of the property. And that took him about 30 days because they were month to month, um, which a great property manager will do that when they put things up for sale. So you can do what you want with the property. And um, once he got that, it took him about three to four months to get the uh, whole rehab done. And he spent about 125 on it. And um, after that, we went, we put it up at 545. We had five offers in one day. And we got over, over ask at, I think it was 556. And um, I mean, the rest of it, he, he did quite well on that. But yes, we sold it twice. So the twofer. Wow. Okay. So you actually helped acquire the initial property. Then the, the, if I guess it fell out of contract the first time, then you brought in who you said is a serial flipper. They come in, they put about 125,000 into it. They said, Hey, Kim, it was really great working with you. Can you list it for me? You then list it five offers in the first day, and then you end up going over and selling it for 556. That's a healthy profit, right? Correct. Uh, healthy. Yeah. He, he has, um, I call him a serial flipper because he has a sh certain price point. He will not do anything that doesn't at least make him $100,000. That's his, you know, he gets the worst house in the best neighborhoods. And this is a B neighborhood too. It's a great area. And by the way, he made the the three bedroom a four bedroom. So it even made it more enticing because in St. Pete, you can do midterm or long-term and it's such a great area. So he had, he had some good options in there or anyone did beyond that. Really cool. Yeah. And he knows that. Yeah, I've been looking for a six-figure flip and, you know, I, I've been talking to, to wholesalers and trying to find them, but they are hard to find, you know, at this point, we're just sort of taking really a lot of things that, that pencil out, but that's, that's good for him. So are you the one that's typically bringing those to him or does he have his own systems for finding his, I guess, his six-figure flips? Both, both. Um, we always um, have a system in place where any of our um, owners that we manage for uh, we have just over a thousand units and anyone that wants to sell, they get offered out for several days um, to our investor list. And if somebody doesn't take it, then it goes on to um, MLS. Okay, great. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Finding rental property insurance has been a headache for the past few years. You know the feeling. You're scrambling, calling 20 different insurance agencies in a dozen different cities, struggling to protect your portfolio at the right cost. But I'm going to tell you a little secret that'll change everything. Veteran investors don't go through the everyday insurance companies. They just use NREG. NREG, that's N-R-E-I-G, provides insurance solely for real estate investors. They've built the largest insurance program in the country for residential tenant-occupied, vacant, and renovation properties. The best part? You can put all your properties on one insurance schedule and one monthly bill. And you can add, change, or remove properties without having to cancel one policy and purchase another. They insure properties from single-family rentals, up to 20-unit multifamily dwellings, vacation rentals, mobile homes, condos, and more. Trade catchy jingles for cash flow with insurance made for investors. Visit nreg.com slash bppod to request a proposal. N-R-E-I-G dot com slash B-P-P-O-D. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. And so is that that the MLS is where this deal was sourced as well? It was. We actually put that out to all of our investors and nobody took it. So you're like, wow. I had a question there. Why, why do you think they passed on it, Kim? Um, I just think, I think, I don't know if it was Victor who said it, but some people, or maybe it's Matt, some people don't want to do all that work. They Sometimes they don't have that mentality to, to do that. And I mean, we have all the contractors to help them do that, that are all licensed and insured that we can refer to them. And I, we always help. And so I don't know. I mean, if they're new people, they definitely don't. They're kind of like, okay, yeah, I don't want to get into that. But that's usually where you make your most money. I have rec- referred to that as real estate goggles. I'm, more, I'm wondering if there's like some seeing green way I could move it into it. But when you talk to an experienced investor like Rob with a short-term rental, he sees something differently than me because he's looked at more short-term rentals. He looks at the property and he goes, okay, the furniture's terrible. It should look this way. The paint color should look like this. The decor should look this way. And it needs a theme. I bet if you did this or that, let me go look up research to see. He sees what a property should look like. We typically call it the highest and best use. People get make fun of realtors for saying that phrase. But I'll do that with maybe a floor plan or a way the property is being used. Like It shouldn't be used for this purpose in this area. It should be that way. Having those goggles or having an agent that has those goggles that can see angles that everyone else is skipping is crucial. I mean, literally people missed out on a six-figure flip because it wasn't what they were looking for. Maybe they were looking for a facelift. They wanted, oh, I go in and I put in a new kitchen and I put a new flooring and paint and I flip. And that's the only thing they see. They can't recognize that that huge workshop sitting out the back of it that's 1,400 square feet that's not permitted but has electrical and plumbing run into it, could easily be turned into a, an ADU or two ADUs that not only increases value of the property, but increases the cash flow of the property. And like, there's so many things like that, that when people bring the right set of goggles, they'll see. And that's one of the reasons I'm a fan of using agents, to be frank with you. Like it's everyone wants the sexy off-market deal that they can get way below market value. They're only looking at what I call buying equity. 
But there's lots of way that real estate makes money, not just buying equity. Having those goggles can see opportunities. Do you see that, Kim, in your market happening pretty frequently? I do. I mean, obviously, we try to share as much as we can when we send out properties or post them to say, hey, this could be this, this could be your cash flow, or this could be the rent on this, or we can make another unit. Um, or, you know, like with Rob, you could do a short or a midterm on it. I mean, you want to give them as many options as possible. And again, I think people that are newer in this, they're, they're a little afraid and they're afraid what they don't know. And um, that's, that's kind of that part. I mean, we can garner and help them along, you know, during that process, but I, I don't know what the answer is to that and why. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think about how we got in this position in the first place. So this is my hypothesis. I'm curious what you guys think. Podcasts like this started right after 2010, when everyone had PTSD and trauma and like insert your popular relationship therapist line that they're all talking about, right? It was a toxic market. Sellers were gaslighting buyers. They, They were emotionally abusive prices, right? Like it was, everyone was hurt from that. And when we looked at why people lost money, it's because there was so much speculative uh, approaches. They just buy low, sell high. I know nothing about real estate, but they're all going up. So I'll just buy low. They'll sell for more. It's that simple. When you ask someone, well, did it cash flow? They didn't know what that meant. They didn't understand there was a formula for ROI. None of the fundamentals of real estate were being practiced. So then the education kicked in and we started explaining to people, this is how you rent a cash on cash return. This is how you manage a property. And then software started being developed to make everything about real estate sort of became easier. But people started taking courses from teachers or gurus or online creators that would say, here is the way to do it. So this is the way that you look at cash on cash return and you want it to say 10% or more and then you buy it. This is the way you flip a house. You go 70% of ARV, you do a facelift, you do the kitchen, the flooring, the paint, you throw some mulch in the front yard, maybe the master bathroom, and you throw that thing back on there. And people learned it from this really like square peg, only way to look at it strategy. And now that the market's really hot and there's not a lot of deals, you can't look at it from a perspective of what is the way. You have to say, well, what way would work for this property? And am I willing to do that? And I'm only stopping to make this point because I think so many people are hearing these podcasts and they're frustrated. I can't find a deal. Well, they're just going on Zillow and they're going on Rentometer and they're saying, here's the rent, here's the price, here's my calculator. It doesn't work. They're moving on to the next one. They're trying to force that square peg into every hole they find to see if it'll fit. And it doesn't. You got to look at every single property, almost like your child. Like I can't talk to this kid the same way I could talk to that kid. They think differently. They have different purposes and make it work there. But when you get that down, you see deals that Matt's found, that Kim's found, that Victor's found. They're out there. The people that have the right goggles are seeing them. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I totally agree. There, there are a lot of there are a lot of deals out there right now. Like I just bought a deal in Austin, and we thought we were going to just do like a quick cosmetic flip on it. And what we so we bought it, and once we actually started running the numbers on it, there wasn't really going to be much much uh, meat on the bone. Not, not to the point with, with the amount of money that it was going to take to get invested into it wasn't really going to be worth it. And so we started doing exactly what you're talking about and looking at the property from every angle. We started thinking, okay, what if we had square footage? What if we had an ADU? And start looking at all of the different uses for the property. And when it's all said and done, we're just going to rehab it and turn it into a midterm rental. So it was in front of me the entire time, but I was trying to get too fancy with it walking into it. And I really just wanted to do that one thing. But really, you know, after going through it, like I think a lot of people find a deal, find themselves in a deal. And they're very quick to say it's a bad deal and they're going to lose money on it when there's like other much less sexy options, like just holding it and making a little bit of money. (laughs) You know, like that to me is a lot less sexy than making $50,000 profit on it, but it's ultimately fine because it'll cash flow for me every month. I'll get amazing tax benefits from it. And it's in Austin, Texas, which is an appreciating market always. So five to 10 years from now, I'll be real happy that I snagged it for the price that I got it. All right, let's get another round of deals in from everybody here. Rob, you want to start us off there? Yeah, let's do it. So, okay, so we did first Victor, then Matt, then Nick. So I say, let's go back to you, Victor. Walk us through another deal if you have one in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Tell us the name of the deal. Uh, Tell us the market if it's different than the one that I just named. And then the listing price and purchase price, and we'll start there. Yeah, cool. 
Um, this one I'm actually pretty excited about because it's more indicative of something that you can do sustainably and repeatedly over and over and over and over and over again. It's not that one-off unicorn like we kind of first visited. Um, and similar to what Kim was saying and what um, what uh, David was saying just earlier, it's one that a lot of people glossed over because it doesn't hit a 1% uh, rule type of a deal, right? Uh, but this one is in Hazlitt, Texas, which is a suburb of Fort Worth. Um, great school systems over that direction. A lot of recently built inventory that doesn't need a lot of elbow grease put into it. So these are very, um, they're, they're recently built. Um, they lease out quickly um, and they're desirable neighborhoods, all B-grade style neighborhoods. Um, this one was a um, ultimately going to be a long-term rental. It was already leased out for fair market rate. So there wasn't anything sexy that you had to do in terms of adding value by increasing rents. Um, it was already leased out for $2,400 a month. Um, asking price on it was a little bit high. It was at three thirty, dollars um, and it had been sitting for a couple of weeks now. So about 21 to 22 days, I think, when we submitted our offer. And similar to Kim over there in Tampa, um, our average days on market is 14. So it looks like there's a black eye. It looks like there's something wrong with this. Um, it's a 2015 build, right? It's four beds, 1800 plus square feet. It checks every one of our boxes for a quote unquote beef style deal, break even appreciation focused style deal. Um, we offered 300, got it under, mar- uh, got it under contract for 310, already has a tenant in place, already has high quality management in place. Um, and they're paying $2,400 a month. So that type of deal is like my absolute favorite to get into because you've got something that covers your debt service. It's in a great area good school system. It's going to appreciate nicely and it's going to throw off a little bit of cash flow each month on top of your pity payment. So that one to me is like like the creme de la creme. Oh, very nice. Okay. So tell us this. You said that it already has a tenant in place. What is your stance on inheriting a tenant? I'll open this up to, to everybody here. Is that something that you guys were excited about? I guess it was a tenant with a good with a good history, I, I presume, right? Exactly. So there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different, I think, philosophies around inheriting tenants versus getting them out and placing your own. Um, so for this particular one, they were already paying market rate. They wanted to extend. Um, they're up to date on their rents. And we had the rental verification to uh, just to confirm that they were indeed actually paying their rents every single month. Um, and they were very happy with the management company that was already in place. So there was no reason for us to go ahead and uh, withdraw them just to go ahead and have you know another 30 days on market of placing a new tenant. Um, also, just the buyer themselves, knowing the buyer, knowing their disposition, incredibly risk averse. We needed to remove as many variables for this client as possible in order for them to say, yeah, this is something I want to go forward on. So when we could bring a turnkey deal that was recently built in a good area that already had a tenant and management in place, so you had no downtime and you didn't have the question of, well, how long is it going to take to rent and what's it going to rent out for? Um, it was a it was a perfect, perfect deal for that particular client. Awesome. And how did you demonstrate value for the client walking into this? Identifying these deals is something that we go through every single day. So we've got a full-time analyst on staff and just finding these properties, something like this. And having your, you know, your RAS, your reticular activating system engaged and being able to say, hey, I know a client who this would fit perfect for. I've got my real estate goggles on and I know that this doesn't hit a 1% target, but it will hit that pity payment coverage and it will be a great opportunity for this out-of-state client who wants to remove as many variables from the transaction as possible. Love it. Awesome, man. Well, it sounds like a pretty killer deal. I mean, getting a little bit of cash flow out of it, inheriting a solid tenant, that seems like a slam dunk to me. Slam dunk is right. And like like you were you're saying before, they don't have to be sexy. The business isn't all, you know, like like uh, gunpowder and uh, and rock music. So, But it's a great example. If your goggles are just cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, you miss an opportunity that, like you said earlier, your first deal, seven years of breaking even to have a paid off property free and clear that's going to cash flow massively in seven years. Is that a terrible strategy? Well, maybe for 64 years old and you don't know if you're going to make it that long. Okay, possibly. But I mean, for a lot of people, that actually makes a ton of sense. And Rob said, when you bring in the tax benefits, you can build really big wealth by having the right goggles to look at your properties through. Well, David, think about this. That property that they're picking up right now for 750 and paying $6,500 a month on, and they're going to own free and clear in seven years, that place is going to be worth a million bucks, right? It's going to be worth a million bucks in, in the next seven to 10 years. Um, they're going to have a totally paid off asset The and the buyer, you know, he's an anesthesiologist and is 35 years old. 
um, he'll be he'll be work optional at that point, especially if he keeps continuing to pick up, you know, one deal here or there every single year. So I think it's a phenomenal option. Yeah, true, man. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So you'll have quite the setup in in seven years. Going back to that that first deal. Very cool. Let's bring it on over to Matt. Matt, do you have another deal that you can take us through? Yeah. So I have a, another deal I call Ridgewood. Um, I have a client that I've worked with a few times before. He was looking to do a flip and uh, ended up finding a property off market, but he did not have all the funds to purchase the property. Um, so I agreed to partner up with him uh, and act as a debt partner. So I actually uh, gave him some private money to get the deal closed. He paid for all the repairs and then we listed it and got the property sold uh, once he was done with all the rehab. So I've done this with a few clients. And I'll do it with all clients, but uh, for other clients that uh, are looking to do that, I also have access to a lot of hard money lenders and other local lenders that may need uh, uh, the. If you do need those resources, they are available in my network. Um, but this property was purchased for two twenty five. He spent about eighty five thousand in rehab, and we ended up getting it sold for four ten. Okay, and what was the what was the profit on that four ten? Uh, so it was it was two twenty five is what he purchased the property for. Then he spent about eighty five on rehab, and it sold for four ten. He did have to pay commissions and selling costs. Uh, out of that as well. Um, and so when you say that you're the debt partner on this, does that mean that you are actually the, like, are you funding everything or are you really just funding like the down payment and the carrying costs on the hard money? So great question. So he had $150,000 of his own money. Um, so we kept the the uh, loan to value was really low on this. And so basically I came in, provided 50% loan to value, and then he uh, had the capital for all the repairs. So it was minimal loan cost for him, but it's still a very safe loan option for me. And then uh, we ended up getting the property sold, and I made a commission on that. And then he made a profit from doing the flip and was able to do the the flip that he otherwise wouldn't have been able to do. Nice, nice. Okay, so you walked into this even even with the the value that you're bringing from the debt partner side of it, you're still actually taking the the commission from the sale of it as well. Yeah. So so one of the reasons that we were able to get the 410 listing price, which was the highest price in the neighborhood by far, the next uh, next available comp was 330. In that same neighborhood, so we really pushed the bar on this thing, uh, is because he did the flip exactly right. You know, rehabbed the property perfectly. We went in there with professional photography, a bunch of drone footage, um, and really, you know, put the gas pedal on the marketing in order to get that price. Cool. And uh, did you did you find the deal in the MLS as well? Did you say that already? So this was an off market deal as far as the acquisition, and then we we took it to market when we listed the property for sale. Uh, how did you find it off market? Uh, through a wholesaler uh, partner that I have. Oh, okay. Great, great, great. Um, David, any anything else on this one? I'm curious with this connection you have with the off-market wholesaler, how are you working as an agent between the two worlds where you work for a broker and you're selling houses for clients, but then you're also helping clients buying properties through wholesalers? Yeah, yeah. So great question. So it, it really depends on the deal. Each deal is, is dependent. You know, sometimes there's a marketing fee, other times, you know, it's I'll basically introduce my client to them and then if they if it's a flip. They agree to let us uh, list the property once it's done, and then you know we're not making any commission on the front end, but we're making commission on the back end once the property is listed uh, for sale. Uh, other times, if it's a rental and they're going to hold it as a rental, yeah, they may agree to have this property management uh, property manage the property or something of that nature. And I also just wanted to highlight while we're talking about this real estate goggles thing that keeps coming up, this is a great flip deal. Well, everybody's stopped looking for flips because they've been told buy and hold, cash flow, quit your job is the only way to go. And they're passing up on six figures of money that could come in useful to put towards a cash flowing property, right? What if that property that didn't cash flow would if you put another hundred grand down on it? But we're missing that because we're not looking for uh, value add opportunities and what I call buying equity. So well done there, Matt. I can tell you're a hardworking guy. Thank you for that. Uh, Kim, coming back to you, what about your second deal? I have got a very unique and different deal. Um, and actually, it was for my for my husband and I for our business, and we had been looking for office space uh, to buy for about nine months, and we were downtown, it's packed down there, paid seven hundred a month for parking. It just had gotten crazy, so I was desperately looking for something, and I really wanted to office hack. I know people probably don't hear that often, but just like a house hack. And I wanted to make sure that we had room for other tenants in the building or there were other units or whatever the case may be. So I found a building um, on Crexy, which is a commercial uh, platform. And it had been on the market one day. And I went to see it, already another offer on the building. 
and they wanted 1475. What 1.475 million? 475. Yes. And um I said I don't want to pay that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's flip this over. It was um 4900 square feet and a two-story building and actually found out it was one office at the time that we looked at it, but had found out that had really originally been four offices, two up, two down. So I went back home and I penciled in the numbers. I found out what the square foot price was charging for rents and it just didn't make sense. I mean, it was okay, but we were going to be in one unit. So I said to my husband, this looks like a great co-working space. And he's like, what? 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 No, we don't know anything about co-working, Kim. And I said, it's it's not that hard. And so I did a lot of homework on it, checked the comps, checked out the competition, and um, we ended up buying it. Um, we negotiated to 1-4, and I also negotiated for a brand-new roof of 40000 and I also negotiated for a 5% commission. So I ended up getting 110000 at closing, and uh, we spent... 225 on our rehab and now the building is worth 2 million. So I am 3 months in now. That's amazing. That that is very cool. So tell so let, let's just walk through these numbers really fast. It was 1.475 million. You brought them you knocked them down to 1.4 and then you also knocked down knocked them down a little bit on the commission which is 5% instead of 6%, right? I, I got 70 70 for that and then I got another 40 for the roof. Oh, right, right. Okay, cool. And so basically you're in roughly 1.3, you said you renovated for about 225K, meaning all in 1.5, 1. 1.6? 1. I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I spent like 110,000 or something like that out of pocket. And so now you've you've added three to 400K in equity just from, from this sneaky little maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> and what's nice is that when you start to pencil it out, oh, by the way, all the furniture I negotiated to. Oh, okay. It was all furniture you wanted to keep and stuff. Yes. It was, it, it, it to me, it looked like a co-working space. So it's been pretty cool. I maybe replaced a few things, but all of it was here. And I have 19 desks and I charge 250 a month for those. I have, I built out two offices and I have a third one downstairs, so I have three private offices. One's eight fifty, one's eleven hundred, one's twelve hundred, and then I offer hot desk where they can pop in and out, and that's like a hundred a month. And then I also offer virtual um, office space where basically just have an address and we scan their bills. Um, and then also beyond that, I also have a brand new sign out front where I have several spots on the queue where they can advertise as well. Well, you're not really supposed to drop amazing stuff like this at the very end of the podcast, but that's okay. That's okay. So, all right. I don't have a man. Yeah. You've really, you've really got the wheels turning up here, but I I do want to ask at what point, because you said the building is now worth 2 million. At what point do you, do you start putting that on a cap rate and selling it as a business, commercial real estate, all that stuff? Hey, Rob, you sound like my husband. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I think we could sell this right now. And I, I mean, obviously we we would make a lot of money, but I'm like, what am I going to buy next? Okay. It took me nine months to find this building. So, I mean, I don't really want to take any money out of it. Um, uh, somebody said they think I could get two, two because I'm getting ready to put solar on it. I'm like, maybe, maybe uh, that's a hot that's a hot commodity. But again, it takes me three years to recoup that cost. Because that's 100K. Well, I just meant more like the, the real estate itself sounds like you've forced the appreciation there, but there is a business attached to it. So I do wonder yes. if there's a little bit more to that purchase price or a little bit more to the $2 million than meets the eye. Yeah, true. True, true. I mean, because it wasn't something that I ever... I own two property management companies and a real estate brokerage. I'm like, what the hell do I know about doing, you know, you know, co-working? But I'm like, well, we've managed forever and managed short term and long term. I think I can do this. And I'm actually running it through my short term software because I've set up the podcast room in there, set up the conference rooms in there so they can go in there and book their times. And I, I mean, it's working out perfect. That's amazing. Yeah. That is so cool. 
So my right now we've got about half leased already. Um, we just did our ribbon cutting two weeks ago, and um, my goal is to be at ten thousand a month, and my note is seven. And you're at about five right now. Yes. In two weeks, outstanding. No, 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 no. A couple months. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, I, said- some of these people. Yeah, I mean, but yes, we officially opened two weeks. Got ago. it. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Still, that's very cool. It's a cool thing, and what I want to mention to everybody here is that. I know sometimes maybe commercial scares people, but don't let it. I mean, in my commercial buildings, I make the most on positive cash flow on those. And I like to do triple net leases, which is where you put those expenses back to the tenants with regard to your taxes, your insurance, all this. So keep it in mind. I mean, there are a lot of buildings out there like this that are, you know, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 square feet that are pretty cool to to you know, buy and the rents here are really great because it's a very entrepreneurial spirit here. So you have a lot of people that don't want to be in those big high rises and that kind of thing. They want their own building, their name out front. And I mean, it's something to keep in mind. Well, commercial properties are designed for the purpose of making money and cash flowing. They're built for that reason. Residential properties, we have Jimmy rigged them to work that way, but that's not what they were intended to do. They're tended to reside in, not have commerce operating. So, and it's just funny that so much of the information that we're sharing has geared towards residential real estate as a way to make it make money. And that's where all the creativity comes in. But it's a lot easier when you take a property that was intended to make money and you use it to make money, just isn't going to be passive. Like you said, several years of looking or, or nine months of looking, several months of working, a lot of time and energy put into it. But the result is you got that cash flow that people keep saying isn't out there. So my opinion, drop the expectation of passivity, drop the cookie cutter approach that every single deal needs to look the same thing and you're just going to hit control C and then control V four times a year for the next 10 years and have 40 properties. Bring the skills you have, like you said, Kim. I understood short-term rental. I understood medium-term rental. I took my same software, my same approach, my same skill set. I applied it to this world. And it made sense. I'm thoroughly impressed with all three of you rock stars. You're doing a great job of representing the real estate profession. And I'm happy to have you here on Bigger Pockets. Before we get you out of here, we take, give you all a chance to tell people where people can find out more about you. How about you, Matt? Yeah. So you can find me on uh, our website, list2sellatl.com, or of course on Bigger Pockets, biggerpockets.com slash agents. And Victor? VictorStefan.com, and then of course on the Agent Finder app on Bigger Pockets. Do people ever get you mixed up with Graham Stefan? Graham Stefan, not too, too often. You look nothing like him, and your name is spelled differently, but still. You never know. Could It could happen. You never know. Thank you for that. Kim, how about you? Uh, also, Agent Finder and uh, Kim Meredith Hampton on almost all the social media and um, HamptonREA.com. There we go. And my favorite California girl, Rob, where can people find you? You can find me over at Rob Built. I don't, I don't know. That's not a California. Uh, um, like you could totally find me at Rob Built. Oh, there we go. Uh, on YouTube, on Instagram, on all of the, on MySpace, Zanga, uh, uh, WordPress, all of them, all right? Find me there. And then <laughs> uh, <laughs> on the RSS feed. and uh, Pinterest, are you on there? On Pinterest, that's right. You can find me on Pinterest. Uh, And then uh, be sure to leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed today's episode so we can get served up to new audiences and teach them how to do this real estate thing. What about you, David? There you go. You can find me at davidgreen24.com or davidgreen24 all over social media, including YouTube. And please do. We love to hear from you guys all. And we really appreciate that you're listening to us here on the podcast. We know you could be getting your information from anywhere, but you're choosing to come to the biggest, the best, and the baddest real estate podcast in the world which makes you smart. And we love you for that. Everybody, thank you so much for being here. This has been a fantastic show. I think typically people don't get information like this unless they pay for it. Uh, We are giving you guys the nitty gritty. Now, if you guys would like to find an agent that's on the show or a different agent, you could check out the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder at biggerpockets.com slash agent finder to connect with one of the guests on our show, as well as other investor-friendly real estate agents. It's fast, free, and easy to use. Just search a market like Tampa, Atlanta, or Dallas, enter your investment criteria, and select the agent you want to contact. I am on there myself out here in California. A bit of a California girl myself. That's biggerpogs.com slash agent finder to match with these market experts today. Thank you, everybody. Can't wait to see you on the next show for another update. Please continue finding deals for your clients and helping people build wealth, uh, especially if they're one of our audience members. I like to see bigger pockets people become millionaires more than everyone else. 
This is David Green for Rob California Girls. What's the what is the Katy Perry line, Rob? It's like some alliteration, right? What does she say in the song? California girls were undeniable. Daisy Duke's bikinis on top. Okay, I'll try that. <laughs> this is David Green for Rob. California girls are undeniable. Daisy Dukes and bikinis on top. Rob is solo. Signing out. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.